Last time, on Almost Heroes, we pick up in the heat of the moment as we're all free falling straight to the ground as Jakar is trying to snatch us out of the air. Nearly colliding as a group, I get grabbed by Jakar and nearly body slammed me first as I slip out just in the nick of time. We get to the ground in one piece without any genitalia checks. We now stand face to face with our greatest adversary. We, we break into all-out combat, fighting for our lives and the life of Rhaenyra stuck inside Chakar. We're trading blows, we're trading spells, we're trading arrows, and the like. I ride Chakar like a Sakalian bull. Rangrim parades him with dark steel pitons and guiding bolts. Glynn, he does his old slice and dice arrows, and then he discovers a crystal under Chakar's abdomen, dealing massive critical damage. Chikar seemed to be of no match for us as he's beaten nearly into submission and Bryn approaches to provoke some form of internal conflict from Rhaenyra to fight off whatever magic is warding over the spirit. As he seems to be successful, Chikar's claw rips through Bryn's armor, pulling the soul shard straight from his chest. Chikar attempts to fly off with it, but Rangrim guiding bolts him in the head and Glynn slices his arm from Chikar recovering the shard, but it's not enough, because Bryn is gone. And that is where we left off. Thank you very much, Bobby. That brings us to episode 114, Broken Dawn. So, Cue the somber music. When we last left our almost heroes, the three of you stand huddled around the destroyed Warforged body and empty soul gem of Bryn Goldbrick. You stand on a sloped ashen waste on the approach to the summit of the Ebon Depths volcano. And dawn is quickly approaching. So before we dive back into exactly what you were doing, I would like to go around and just do a little, like a quick kind of check on how the characters, how you are feeling in this moment. You are like, this is, this is a, there have been some low spots in this campaign. There's been some high spots, but I think this is a pretty heavy blow. And I just want to go around and, and just see how, um, just just do a quick uh, check with everyone. So uh, I want to start with you, Rangram. How, looking at, you know, in this in this moment, how is, how is Rangram feeling? Uh, Reagan probably feels defeated. He's walking over to like the bits of the cart that still still exists, like rifling through pieces, trying to like put stuff together, like fuck, shit, fuck, like getting irritated and aggravated. There's probably more than one piece that just like got sent into the next zip code as he's like irritated and just fucking throwing it. <laughs> As he's just trying to like piece together like parts of this cart and not making any headway. Yeah, I, I imagine that's a relatively um, like I mean the cart is is it, it's a crater essentially. Like it hit with so much force at essentially terminal velocity that when this thing hit the ground, like it just 
it didn't just make a clean pile. It hit the ground and went oh. everywhere, like in just every direction. Um, and I think that with, with the kind of flammable and potentially like, you know, with the forge and the different things that were in there too, I think that there were like the, this, the explosion that kind of, uh, you know, occurred upon like impact, I think just sent things even further and like destroyed some pieces beyond like even the ability to like put them back together. Um, and so I, I think as you're kind of, um, as, as Rangram's kind of like picking through these pieces and, and you know, obviously <laughs> cursing under others breath and probably pretty loudly and just kind of hucking these pieces. Um, how uh, how are you feeling, um, Glenn? How's Glenn feeling? Uh, oof. Uh, probably pretty similar to Rangram in the sense of defeated. Uh, Glenn likes to think that he's often in control of the situation, even though we all know that he's not. Um, he likes to think that he can generally outsmart most of the bad things that might happen to him, or at least figure out kind of the whys. And this one feels pointless um, because he did so much work to, you know, try to foster a relationship with Bryn with the hopes that he would be able to bring Bryn's friend back. Um, uh, Glenn, in that rage, is definitely in uh, fuck Jakar, regardless of who's inside, like, Rainier can go say what's up in the afterlife. It, it ain't happening here if Bryn's not around. Um, so I think a lot of that compassion that Glenn had for Rainier has gone right out the window. Um, even though he does recognize, you know, Jakar is not Rainier, uh, I think the emotion side of things is hard for him to separate that right now. So he is ready to murder some shit. Understandably so. Um... Cosmo, how uh, how's Cosmo feeling? Cosmo is um, he's feeling pretty defeated as well. I, I think we we all would unanimous unanimously say that you know, and he is just sitting behind next to the remains of Bryn, just realizing that. He, he always takes things so personally. He he feels like it's his responsibility that there was no way that he was saved. Um, as well, I think that on a personal level, Bryn was probably one of the last people that really knew his dad. And uh, that fought alongside him and, and really kind of participated in, in life a lot. And maybe feels like some of the, the time of reminiscing is gone and that, that page has kind of turned for him. So I think that there's, a, there's another level of like disconnect that kind of happens. And, but overall... I think the underlying tone for him is vengeance, naturally. That that uh, that kind of comes up, and I think that he would, uh, after a few moments or minutes, whatever the, the time frame may be, he would he would actually probably try to move whatever's left of Bryn over towards the, the cart, um, just as like a. I don't know. I think at that point he's just trying to 
ceremoniously kind of create some form of a, a, a spot to honor Bryn. Not really knowing if he's gone, if he's gone forever. Like, we don't know how these soul gems work, or maybe he did finally get what he wanted, but um, yeah. So I think that that's kind of where he's at. Okay. Yeah, I think that's all. I think it's all very understandable. I mean, in this in this moment, I think that you're all handling these these pretty different ways. Um, but yeah, so you uh, you are able to uh, kind of drag the um, the kind of you know the the incredibly like almost completely destroyed for like the only the, the armor of Bryn um, even prior to you know their death was. Um, you know, the arm was, was melted off completely by Chikar's attack. Um, the Vihander sword was laying, like, right next to where he fell because he had been hold he had dropped it before even approaching Chikar um, to climb over the, uh, like, to kind of get closer. And so it wasn't even holding it at the moment of his death. And with the hole that was essentially torn through the center of him, like, the top and bottom halves are barely connected at this point. So um, it is, uh, it's a situation where uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, Moving it is uh, is kind of like you have to do it carefully to make sure that, you know, it doesn't come completely disconnected. But I think you're able to successfully get it over to um, the cart. Uh, what do you do with the uh, with the Vihander sword? I think I would, after probably moving the armor, I think I would collect it. And, and I think that he would just stake it as deep into the ground, you know, near the, the remains. And uh, I think maybe would more or less just offer a question to the, the group of just, well, what, I mean, where do we go from here now? Uh, Glenn's still cradling like the soul gem, like an infant. Uh, I think we were more or less headed this way as is to, you know, see where gold break might be dwelling at this time, at least the proposed tomb or like final resting place of of gold break. It's maybe appropriate that we uh, get to bury the last of that lineage here, but I, I think we have to keep pressing on. I mean, we've seen what Chikar could do uh, to the four of us and I uh, would like to uh, settle this debt that he's taken with us. I'd like to uh, return the favor and make sure his soul gem dampens a little bit. But I think we have to go see see what we can find at Goldbreak. Uh, yeah. Um, should we reach out to the clerics? Yeah. Yeah, we should. We we should let them know that Bryn's passed. I mean, we should do everything we can to honor him here. Uh, I know, Rangram, you might be trying to put a semblance of the cart back together. I can kind of take that task on while maybe you send a couple messages, but we, we should let them know because uh, I, don't, I, don't, I, I would be, I'd want to know first. Yeah, and they may want We could certainly let them know, but at this point, we, we, we need to not stop and grieve. We need to move forward. 
Rangram is like trying to like put together some like ramshackle like like place for Cosmo and like Glenn to sit. Like he's not used to not being able to like fix things mm. that everyone's like needed. So he's a little like scatterbrained. But uh Rangram fully thinks that uh sending a message to everybody and delaying at any point is doing us doing Bryn a disservice. Well I we can I re- stand around and grieve all we want. There will be time for that, but it's not now. Well, we can grieve on the walk. There's uh we now have just our uh our well, we have the girls. I have Steve, so that should hopefully help the ground travel. But in case they wanted to come out here to fetch Bryn's uh, body or whatever, I mean, maybe they have something to offer that would be relevant now, and then we just continue on. Okay, haven't you in the past like blessed? Like the warlands that we've we passed in the back, or that we like covered in the past, like we, yeah, we know that whatever magic is rooting within Jakar has the ability to take over and corrupt things. Is that a blessing you can do here for Bryn until uh, we might be able to come back and collect them? I, I promise you, I will not forget where this is. I, it burned into my brain. We can we can come back to collect them if needed, but. Until this finds a home, and he like kind of holds up the soul gems. Like until this finds a home, I don't, I don't think Bryn's at at complete rest until we get him. I mean, even two gold break, return him to to home. But I, I think Rangram, I think you're right. Bryn would be pissed if we slowed down now. Yeah, I don't. I'm not saying we slow down and we change course. I am saying that we we do let the people closest to him know. And yes. I uh I can bless this this space that it will uh hopefully hold off any undead magic that may try and corrupt him but I don't know how much time it'll buy us I say we do that I could definitely use a a breather myself I'm pretty tapped uh not sure if you noticed but my clothes weren't red when we started this fight, so I could definitely use some some health and a little relaxation for the time being because we're about to, I guess, three, the three of us are about to go stir up a legendary dragon uh, or an ancient dragon. We might want a little bit of R&R under our belts. All right. Well, let's um, get, get some rest and I'll... I'll set up for the ceremony. So, as you will, young dwarf. We'll, we won't, we won't leave without him. If you understand me. It. So, so just short like, rest and short rest. Some, I mean, it's like thirty minutes, right? And then it's just non-strenuous activity. But Glenn definitely needs short rest. Okay. okay. Cosmo probably does too. I was going to say, um, I mean, Cosmo, if you're, um, I, I don't know if technically you can, you would, can, it would be considered a short rest if you are working the entire time. 
that you're doing that. Um, I will say though, that you're going up to, you know, the, the place you're going, like you're, you're heading up to, you know, the, the Dawn Forge, like uh, there might be an opportunity for it there. I just, I don't know if that's okay. While like preparing for the the spell and doing all the things you need to do, I don't know if that would be if you would be able to do a short rest while doing that. If you wanted to take it afterwards, that would be okay. But it sounds like Rangrim kind of wants to get going as quickly as possible and doesn't want to delay. Um, working in with Cosmo, like feeling where he's at for Bryn, I am gonna burn uh, fabricate to with Cosmo's help like Rin's Vihander sword in the ground uh, kind of create like a headstone around it kind of like behind it and it's going to be like a big ass ridiculous ornate stone headstone and say something to the tune of uh, heal eyes Bryn Goldbreak uh, true king Unless any of Linwood. you guys have anything else to add, like... Lynn would sketch up uh, a version of, like, the Goldbreak Crest, but he would kind of make it, um, like, take some of the iconography from the Goldbreak Crest and take some of the iconography from the Blackworm Crest and build sort of, like, a, a yin and yang of, like, two dragons intertwining as, like, just, like, a, a, a top of the headstone for Rangrim to fabricate literally <laughs> um but just to show like the marriage of like the the houses and the importance that was to Bryn because uh it's not lost in Glen that Bryn definitely would not want uh these three to just murder the fuck out of Jakar if he thinks Rainier's in there but uh Bryn's not here to say shit so he I mean we got her but we we still gonna res- respect the man before we go do do such yeah Want to want to honor that now, but uh, let that be settled once the stone is set and go raise some hell. That's that's fair. I think that um, I, I think that through the three of your um, through the three of your efforts, uh, even though I think mostly since Glenn's taking his short rest, I think that it's mostly a uh, just kind of like a uh, you know kind of giving some. Uh, kind of verbal uh input onto what is depicted onto the stone as Rangrim's actually pros- like you know doing the spell itself um you see this uh this massive stone that is erected um uh, is it it's behind the vihander sword or like kind of encompassing the vihander sword and um i imagine it like the vihander sword was kind of like in front in the ground and it was just just behind it kind of overshadowing it just awesome. a touch is um is Bryn's Warforged body? Are you uh, what are you all doing with that? That was Cosmo territory. I didn't know what he was doing with that. Um, I think it would probably just be. I don't. We really don't have time to dig or do anything. I think the only thing is is to just maybe lay it out. Oh, we can the... we can move some earth real easy. Yeah, I got, I got a spell for that one. I don't... Yeah, I was going to say, you have an hour technically for a short rest. So you guys are taking an hour, no matter what, for yeah. for uh, Bryn sh- or for Glynn's short rest. Glyn- Bryn's long rest, Glynn's short rest. The longest rest. 
the so it would be like an hour, hour and ten minutes, right? Because you're casting that spell, which I think is like a ten minute spell, and then yeah, fabricates like, only ten minutes. Yeah. Um, so if we took like ten minutes to set up for Bryn's funeral okay. before Glenn takes his rest, that's totally fine. Like I don't have to do it simultaneously, but before we leave this place, Glenn's taking a short rest. Okay. I mean, I know like fifty uh... minutes in an hour is not a difference, really. I don't think there's any real reason. Personally, Cosmo doesn't think that there's any real reason to bury the body, uh, or the part of it, whatever. I don't know. It's like a, it's an empty machine. I will but. say, the body is completely made out of mithril. So if if you're worried about expensive. anyone st like stumbling onto it, there there is potentially that. Steal don't the let shit that, out of it. Don't let that sway your decision. But um, there, your card is made out of a lot of dark steel that is shattered around this entire place. And Bryn is made out of almost 100% mithril, aside from the parts that were kind of, uh, you know, repaired over the years uh, by by Rangrim and Madge. So these are some valuable components. Just like I said, don't let that sway your decision. I just wanted to give you all of the, the facts before. Oh. I mean, just to prevent grave robbers, if anything, I would probably encourage that we hide the body and or bear it. I'll happily help you dig that hole too. Alright, well then let's um let's dig that hole. So before short rest I'm gonna cast um what the fuck is the spell called? Maximilian's uh, Earth and Grass. Earth and Moon's I was Earth like and what's the guy's name? <laughs> uh yeah uh nice. Maximilian's Earth and Grass make a gigantic hand and just like a backhoe just dig that like earth up um if time permits it's a minute on this thing and the strength is a dc 15 i don't even know how that strength equates to actual strength but um would dig up enough space that like it's six feet deep and as like respectfully dug as possible like Glenn rarely shows a sign of reverence, and this is definitely one of those times. I think that you're able to accomplish that without without any issue. I mean, it's it's made out of the dirt from beneath, so even if it excavated itself, you'd be able right, to yeah. cleanly Pull up a huge chunk. Cleanly make uh, cleanly make a uh, you know a a big you know a big clean hole uh, that and you know that is uh, you know you're able to uh, fill back in. So the question is. Um, what are you putting into the hole? Um, obviously, Bryn's, Bryn's, you know, the, the top and bottom half of Bryn's body, but also, um, I did have a question. Um, Bryn's uh, duster, his coat that he always wore, the one that uh, that Glenn actually just uh, sewed, uh, sewed iconography of, you know, the families of, of the Blackworms and the Gold Breaks into, um, is that going into the hole as well, or is someone taking that with them? I assume that would have been vaporized if he was wearing that during the fight. Honestly. I think it's pretty um, fucked up. I had definitely has a hole through the back of it where he was a hole was ripped in him. But I think that, uh, and I think one of the arms is burnt off of it. But I think it's still, it, it's. I mean, it's in rough shape, uh, but it still technically exists. Um, and so I just wanted to, you know, posit that to you. There's also, um, one hundred percent puts that on if nobody objects. There's also Renier's dagger. Uh, that I was going to ask you about if if. If Glenn find if Glenn were to find the duster, we were to find the duster, and nobody object, Glenn, because my white robe has been eviscerated by the uh, the blood Acid. from Jakar. Yeah, 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 because that was destroyed 
Flynn would just be now wearing this like one cut off sleeve, big asshole punch in the back over his like looking feathery like, armor. Looking like Dirty Orin from Final Fantasy X. Yeah, yeah, looking looking like you don't want to fuck with Glenn for the first time ever. Um, yeah, Glenn would, because he's also probably the only person that fits it, would wear that. Um, and he would hold the dagger out in a palm to the guys and say, you know, there's, there's some semblance of connection to Rainier here. I'm not sure if it's something we could tap into, but I would sure love to have this be the last thing that goes into that crystal in, that, in Jakar's chest if anybody wants to take hold of it. Otherwise, I'd, I'd happily hand it off, but this was incredibly important to Bryn. I mean, at the very least, I don't mind uh, carrying it when the, when the moment is, seems right. I suppose whoever is uh, in the right place at the right time gets to be the one to uh, shove that thing as far up Chakar's crystal ass as we can. I will aim for a sphincter if I see one in a crystal. I promise you that. Right in the shard. Then hand over to Cosmo. Right in the shard. Uh, A duster uh, would do uh, Bryn proud. So, uh, wear it proud there, Eglin. I promise you, this probably looks insane with my members-only jacket and this duster (laughs) simultaneously. It is pretty hot, but we're one in the mountains and two... Uh, there's no way I was going to let a pedigree like this jacket just go to waste. It's, it's, it's too important, and Scott, this has to come back to Town. This is too important to that community to mean or just to be left here. Yeah. Well, I mean, we can, uh, we'll put Bryn in uh, and bury him. Do we want to try and move the cart in, or what do we we just leave the cart for whatever happens? Yeah, Rangram, what do you want to do with all this dark steel? This is both expensive I mean, and is is it? I mean, fill your pockets. That's about Actually, all, a really good as, point. As, as, <laughs> that's about just, all we can do at this point. There's just doorknobs strewn about. Um, I think Rangram, as you're kind of like looking around and like walking, I think you um, you step on something that's like slightly squishy, and you uh, you realize it's the um, it's the Nolfer, uh air freshener that yes. is uh that's slightly charred and but it's uh but you, it's kind of at, at your feet um so you're able to collect that oh uh, here you go glenn i'm gonna toss it to him yep yeah, i mean i can i can make do with what we have but we're, we're leaving behind valuable shit. yeah i guess any of the items we bring with us aren't really gonna mean a goddamn thing compared to what we're actually leaving behind All right. Well then, um, let's. Why don't you help me move? Sometimes uh, you, you just, we have to just leave behind things that we yeah. might need in order to go forward. I, Cosmo, can I see? Can I see that dagger? Sure. He passes it off. Where they made like the effigy, like the tombstone for. Bryn Ringram's gonna start a small fire and just look at the both of them and take the dagger and just cut his palm and hand it over to Cosmo. Blood and fire. <laughs> 
Blood and Fire, friend. I think ceremoniously. Now you're next. I, I was going to say, ceremoniously, I think Cosmo, uh, he follows suit. Yeah. Uh, Glenn takes a dagger and uh, licks the blood. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> been a vampire this whole time, gang. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the big Glenn, bad revealed. Un, like, kind of unfazed, uh, hands the dagger off to his like mage hand, and he's just kind of like holding it there. And looking down at the soul crystal, and then just kind of thinking about just all the bullshit that has happened. Uh, he says to Chandrell and to the guys, goes, it's time we finish this. And he just like, he doesn't even run it across his hands. He just squeezes it until his hand bleeds and then let's go. And then he floats the mage hand dagger back to Cosmo. Yeah. Blood and fire. Let's well, kill this motherfucker. Well, let's, um, why don't you help me move Brain into this hole and uh, we'll complete the ceremony and be on our way. Um, so I think that, uh, we all maybe move Bryn gently down into the hole and you see Cosmo, he reaches into his gold pouch and he pulls out a, a small handful and he's, he's standing out, you know, he kind of reaches his hand out over the, above Bryn's, uh, Warforged body and you see, you see like a blue flash of light within his palm and as he reaches out over and kind of like you see this like bluish gold sprinkle just kind of fall down out of his the palm of his hand and rest onto Bryn's body and and may it it absorb I I don't know it absorbs into the into the warforged body uh and the ceremony is complete Yeah. Um, and Glenn like very slowly pushes the, the mound of sand back over him and very discreetly buries Bryn. Yeah, I think that um I, I think that you all take a beat as uh as this the you know kind of the dirt comes to rest, uh covering I oh it's actually it's like a dark um it's like a dark black like um uh, kind of like a, a cinder uh, kind of material, almost like a a lava rock kind of uh, situation, just like kind of ground into ash, like this this black soil, um, you know, befittingly as uh, as you know, kind of dark as the occasion, and uh, you know. I think that the headstone itself that's been raised out of the ground through fabricate is the same, and I think it even has like some chunks of um the dark steel that just kind of was around that kind of like was imbued into it as well and so um i think that even in this um i i think even in this like you know dawn is approaching but it's still it's still nighttime and i think that you can you're looking on as this uh you see just individual pieces almost uh start to glow uh with those imbued pieces of dark steel that were uh you know kind of uh you know, gifted with the Dawn Forge's gifts uh, so long ago at this point, um, now that you're, you're kind of close to your uh, unintentional journey of, uh, you know, kind of making it to the Dawn Forge as well and kind of completing that, uh, you know, completing that connection there. Um, 
but yeah, I think that you're all standing in on this slope uh, as the kind of, you know, the the hot winds of of Eben, the Ebon Ridge uh, kind of uh, rush past you, blowing some of the dust into the air um, as you're kind of, you know, surrounded by, well, just the three of you. Um, and then I think the, uh, you hear with a kind of, um, like a, a light, a low whinny um, as uh, both Champagne and Cologne um, kind of come uh, sliding, kind of uh, flying in for a, uh, a, a very like soft uh, landing uh, right next to Rangrim. And I think sensing, you know, Rangrim's just, you know, sadness, I, I think they immediately kind of nuzzle, nuzzle into Rangrim uh, as he, uh, as you all are kind of standing there taking in the scene. Oh, come on. You make, you make me look bad for the boys. Uh, yeah, Glenn, Glenn takes his, his short rest and, um, at a certain point, once it's, it's done, um, before they leave the place, Glenn is going to, on the back of the tombstone that Rangra made carve in Thieves' Camp iconography, do not rob. And if anybody else robs it, it's not someone of Thieves' Camp, and that means Glenn can, again, murder the fuck out of him, so... Uh, yeah, Glenn's, Glenn's throwing a, a warning to any potential grave robbers to would be fuck grave robbers. And go ahead and find out. Yeah, and incredibly threatening for any grave robber named Rob. To yeah, <laughs> do not rob. Do not rob. Uh, so does that? Are we, God, uh, Rob, don't do it. God damn it! It's always are, Rob. Are we making this so that we all short rest, or is it just? Yeah, you can, uh, because of the way that you've kind of uh, finagled this, unless there's anything else Cosmo would like to do, um, I think that it only makes sense. If you, if you guys were going around and like collecting up bits of the cart, but if you're just leaving it as is and kind of just picking up your, what pieces of belongings are remaining there, like anything that was left in that cart, um, we're gonna, there is a, you know, you'll have to roll to see whether or not you're able to recover it and whether or not you were able to recover it in, usable condition because of the means of how it was destroyed okay i'm trying to think what um one of the one of the items for sure all the barrels that were on top i think that those long since fell off the oh, off yeah. the cart <laughs> those are probably far back even before the, the cart started going into its death spiral um when chikar attacked it um I, i'm trying to remember or i'm trying to think what uh what other items were to, i mean the uh, cannon on the bottom is anything would be trying to just refabricate the wheels on the back specifically the banding that was on the wheels that would mm -hmm. be made at the dusk forge yeah roll me a um hmm Roll me a investigation check. Oh, he's I'm real good at those. I no, figured that's why that's I didn't a, give you that's a, a that's a nine. Um all right. So I'm gonna roll, I'm gonna roll a percentage. Um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do a percentage with disadvantage to see how much you can recover here. Actually rolled. In 84 and in 85. So you're able to recover 85% or 84%, whatever, of uh, percent of the the banding, uh, the, the dark steel. And I think that the reason for that is because it's still glowing. 
you're able to go around and pick up these dark steel pieces off the ground. And I think that you're able to recover them. And I, I think that, you know, while they're in many, many pieces, dark steel is an incredibly resilient metal. And I think that you're able to pick up most of it. The, the parts that you're missing are probably either sent so far away or either destroyed or buried beneath the ground. Fair. So not doing anything too wild in the moments that we have. Not rebuilding the cart at best. Regram's trying to put those wheels back together. And at best, there is like a rickety jalopy of like a flatbed that the donkeys are now towing. Yeah. Just a, like a flatbed with those wheels on it. Like that's a, at best, that's what I'm shooting for in the time okay. that we have. I, I love this for anyone who's watched Howl's Movie Castle. It's like what happens yeah. after like Calcifer at the end. It, it's yeah. like just the two. It's, I was, I, so I, yeah. Okay. So, uh, Ray and Grim, uh, roll me, um, just roll me a straight up and down uh, D20. Ooh, I like that. 18. Okay. Um, I'm going to give you this percentage here with uh, with advantage. Um, okay, so with a with a 73, uh, I, that was pretty crazy actually. I rolled a a 70 and a three, and then a 30 and a seven. Um, so really, kind of themes there. Um, but uh, so with the 73, I, I'm going to say that you aren't able to put a four wheeled cart together, but you, what you are able to do is kind of ramshackle together a two wheeled kind of chariot style cart um, that has a flat bed on the back of it. Uh, that is maybe uh, I'm going to say like four, five feet by five feet. Um, and it is, it is not pretty, but it will function. Um, and uh, it, you're able to uh, put that together. I assume, uh, are you burning fabricate again? Another fabricate? Do you have a second one? Yeah, I will burn another fabricate as well okay. as a million times mending. Actually, let me double check, make sure I can a million burn times mending. Again. <clears throat> oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, yeah, you would be able to mend sixty times if you're not taking a short rest. It's a minute. Mend, 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 yeah, I'll say that I'll say that because you're you're burning fabricate. Um, you are able to uh this this thing is not like incredibly rickety, like you're able to put this together. I think that based on your state of mind, maybe it's not your best work ever. Um, but it uh yeah. it, it is it is functional. Like I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, because you're burning that spell, I'm not gonna like hold anything against you here. I'm not gonna have it fall apart halfway up the mountain. Um, so uh, but you have a little little small flatbed chariot. Uh it's about five feet by five feet in uh in storage area. Uh, Cosmo, do you, are you able to like sense our direction to the Dawn Forge? Cause I loosely remember where it is on the map, but I don't know if you saw me tie knots earlier, but I'm not very good at that. Uh, those survival checks, uh, is there, uh, do you have a means of finding the Dawn Forge or I, I know Dawn's about to break. Maybe it'll just start fucking glowing on top of the mountain, but you have like a connection to it? Can you sense it? We woke up the Dusk Forge, so. Well, I don't know. I mean, the Dusk Forge would have power emanating it, but the Dawn Forge would, we would believe is still inactive, but. Good point. Um, we, well, we saw the Dusk Forge. Was it 
lit up at all? Like, did it glow before Cosmo interacted with it, or was it like completely dormant? It, it was glowing before yeah. we saw it, right? Okay, the, so the anvil, the anvil was glowing. The anvil it, was, it was the like main a beacon piece. of purple, right? Yeah. The so the anvil, the anvil was was glowing. It wasn't like a straight like beacon to the heavens, but there right. was definitely like a luminescence of light emanating from the uh, from the anvil in the center of that like those rune those like uh dwarven runes that were uh it, it like essentially there's a courtyard out in front of like the doorway opening that leads down into the actual forge itself and this is all built into a mountain um and and so those runes that were around uh i think it's like pretty big i if i'm if i'm not mistaken it's like a 50 foot uh like courtyard pedestal, area yeah. big round pedestal area where there is just a massive oversized anvil in the center um and that was all lit up and glowing um and during during the time that, like during dawn um of every day or during dusk of every day dusk i apologize day, yeah. um and so it, but i mean as far as you know you've you've never seen that and from what you've heard uh from uh melvin uh you you know that uh the dawn forge um was believed to be corrupted right and we had learned from cedric of the glow of the dusk forge right isn't he the one that told us about okay. I, believe so. I believe so it's either cedric or someone in uh in in rockdale whitport. i don't exactly remember. i thought it was in whitport i think we went to the dusk forge then rockdale or is it rockdale then the dusk forge you went from Rockdale to Dusk to the Dusk Forge because the Dusk Forge is up the mountain from Rockdale. Also, very okay. cool shirt, Dan. Beer gun. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, I mean, remember in a previous conversation with, I can't remember specifically who, but uh, they're supposed to, you know, illuminate during their their name stay time so the dust forge is glowing at dusk dawn forge should be lighting up any second here but uh I, I think we can continue to keep an eye out for it and as i understood it, it was towards the top if i remember from the map that uh was shared with us of the dust forge it was towards the top of evan evan ridge so i think we just not to offend the girls but start hoofing it uh, i think that that's probably the right call so, uh, I mean, if there's not going to be enough room on this, uh, this here little makeshift, uh, cart, I can kind of follow along on, on foot with Steve. I mean, not, not to be morbid, I, th I think y'all, you can fit. I mean, it's, I mean, we, we, we probably couldn't foot the guy, fit the guy we just put in the ground if you. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. You guys are probably all right though. Ringham's like kicking the tires of like the cart that he just like made. It creeps until a the bit. Uh, yeah, until the uh, sun drops. I, I, I think I'm gonna keep walking. I'll, I'll I'll just be a few paces behind the uh, cart 2.0. Um, I'll keep an eye on what's behind us as we start making our way up. So just it the sun it's actually dark currently the sun is coming up, right right. Okay. Oh sorry. Are there, so I I thought it was we were very close to dawn. Are we not that close to dawn? 
I, mean, I don't want to take it, off and all of a sudden the sun goes, Hey everybody. And we just start plummeting again. No, I, I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think there's much time to be able to fly. I'm just saying that like, yeah. it's the, the sun is like just barely peeking over the, the edge of the, uh, I, I don't think it's even come over. You can just see light on the horizon. Right. Got it. Yeah. So Glenn's, Glenn's going to hoof it behind the, the cart and uh, keep like back sentry basically. Just keep an eye on what's behind him. He's probably going to summon Poe in his Arctic Fox form and, uh, have a little travel companion, but Glenn's definitely reminiscing on everything that just happened and internally monologuing with uh, Chandrel and is just holding on very tight to that soul stone. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I think that uh, I think that the three of you, uh, I assume Cosmo, you you jump on to, uh, you, are you jumping on Steve or are you jumping on the back of the uh, the little flatbed cart? I'll be on the back of the, I'll be on the cart. Okay. Um, you hop up on there and uh, Rangrim, you, uh, you I, essentially sitting on the front of it, uh, you know, grab the reins and uh, get those all kind of connected back up again with Champagne and Kalogne. And um, I think with Glenn uh, walking, kind of taking, taking a little bit of a, uh, you know, a scouting position up ahead, uh, being able to, you know, kind of move. Because um, I, I think that, you know, moving up this traversing this kind of hill on the ground um is is you have to definitely pick your directions and kind of as you're going um but i i think that uh Lynn, i think you're able to kind of keep a, a little bit of a distance between yourself and the cart as rangram's having to kind of pick a careful uh path up this uh up this mountain um the three of you uh continue your journey uh kind of you know, slow and steadily as the sun is rising in the east, as you all are kind of picking your way carefully up the uh, up the slope of the Ebon Ridge. And um, I think that it takes you, I think it takes you most of the morning to make this journey. Um, I, I think that uh, along the way, uh, Glenn, you are, um, I, I think that so one question I have for you, Glenn, is you haven't had many interactions with Chandrell since, uh, you know, you had that falling out over, you know, finding out that maybe she knew a little bit more uh, than uh, what she was uh, letting on to um, the, essentially the situation that ended up with you being uh, exiled from or banished uh, self or otherwise from uh, Zephyr, the continent where you, uh, you, you come from. Um, and so I'm curious, like, are you contacting Chandrell? I think I know you mentioned it lightly, but is this is this like a first contact kind of situation, or is it more just a kind of self monologue that you are talking to Chandrell without expecting much of a uh, you know response? I think, and and we have not RP'd it, um, but I think there still would have been the occasional um, almost like spidey sense that Chandrell provides. Um, that's sort of how I've mentally rp'd a level 14 rogue like <laughs> i don't know i don't know what it's like to not get hit by um dragon breath so mm -hmm. i've kind of rp'd that there's a little bit of a spidey sense so i think they've had like very uncomfortably quietly a working relationship um so i think on this walk he would probably take some time to maybe talk directly to her in in uh, a more direct approach that wasn't just like don't get your head chopped off because I'll be stuck sort of thing. Um, That's fair. So I think during the walk, Glenn would kind of take some time once maybe the cart's a little ahead and we're just like on a long trudge. Uh, so Chandrell, we're, we're closing this out, right? No more, 
uh, ambiguities about anything you know and I know, we're we're finishing this. You you started this. We're finishing this, right? I think that um, I think that you know there's a, there's a little bit of a um, a delay uh, long enough that it kind of you you for a second think that she's not going to kind of show herself or respond to you, um, but then I think that uh, you see just kind of a little bit in front of you uh, you see the spect the kind of blue spectral form of Chandrell appear, um, you know, wearing her uh, similar robes to in which you've worn these kind of like long flowing robes with her hair pulled like kind of into a tight bun, uh, to, uh, you know the this like semi spectral uh, form of of Chandrell and I, I think that when she appears I, I think she's she's looking at you in a way that you can tell that you know, it's it's how someone looks at someone when uh, they know that that other person has is potentially mourning or expecting them to be in mourning. And they're kind of looking at them with that uh, that look of just kind of like, you know, I know you, you I know you have lost something incredibly dear to you. And uh, I, I think that when she appears, she's just uh, kind of walking alongside you silently for a, a second and then Glenyaris, I, I don't know what to say. When I, as you said, began us on this journey, as semi-unintentionally as that was, I did not know what that would entail or what that would cost to both you and to everyone else that this has caused harm to along the way. Glynyaris, I cannot begin to apologize for everything that my frivolousness, my just kind of lack of foresight and or regard for your well-being that has caused. But I can make you this promise, Linyaris. We are going to finish this. I don't know what that looks like for, for you or for me on the other side, but I can promise that I will give you every ounce of strength that I can to make sure that when you need to strike, you'll be able to strike true. Thank Lynn. It's a long walk. It's, it's a meandering walk. I think he kind of like walks in silence for a little bit, thinking about everything Chandrell just said. Um, and I don't think necessarily looks directly at her, just keeps his eyes on the cart. Uh, basically says, no, I've had time and Events happen. Think about this. Uh, it's pretty unique the situation we found ourselves in, and I can't really say if I had the facilities to do what you did, I wouldn't do the same. I would find someone like a young me and exploit in whatever capacity I needed to to see something through, but. When I was chosen by you and spent time to compete 
and work with you, I made a promise to you the same way that I think you made a promise to me. And that is, you're going to set a challenge. And it's up to me to finish it. So I've been doing that since we started working together and I've been continuing it to this day. Nothing's changed that's gonna really alter that relationship. You've set a challenge for me, whether intentionally or on accident. Now it's just my job with my dwarven friends here to see it through. So I appreciate the apology. Maybe I shouldn't have stabbed you into the ground. It might have been a little bit of a tantrum, but in my defense, kind of a dick move. And you, again, apologize. Thank you. Help me, but like more importantly, help us. It doesn't need to be me. It's that's kind of the difference I've realized with these guys. Uh, help us strike true because it won't be me. It doesn't need to be me. And after like a little bit of a pause, he just kind of takes a second and goes, it's been a while. You look nice. Good to see you, Chandra. And he just kind of keeps walking. I, I think that, um, I, I think that she, she pauses for a second and just kind of gives a, a, a soft smile and then uh, kind of catches back up with you and you feel uh, just kind of like a slight warmth as her, her hand uh, kind of, uh, you know, she's not really... She, you know, you can't really interact with Chandra. She's not really corporeal in this, uh, unless the moments where you guys are fighting and she's able to like kind of turn her weapon corp just corporeal enough to be able to strike. Only to hit yours. me. She can yeah. only, what you're saying is she can only. <laughs> it's just, it's Damn. for a split second, essentially. <laughs> so it's able to, she's able to like manifest for like split seconds and it's very selected from what you've been able to tell. Um, and That's so, hilarious. uh, she uh she puts her puts her hand on your shoulder and it kind of manifests itself as like a, a kind of like a, a warm warmth that you've you've recognized before from like holding the scimitar in your hands um and i think that uh she just uh just says softly in 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 a in a word in, in a, you know in, with few words but ones that kind of just emanate promise with with every with every syllable it says I will do everything I can and give you everything at my disposal. You will make it through this, Glenyaris. We will make it through together. And as uh, as she kind of says that final word, I, I think that you feel a um, a similar power that you've you felt kind of emanate from Chandrell before, as uh, she is essentially like gifting you. Uh, some of her power, um, and you, as as she kind of does this, uh, you see her kind of uh, fade, and she you can no longer see her, um, but you feel that uh, that continued warmth emanating from the scimitar itself. Um, and uh, we will resolve this uh, after the stream, uh, there, Glenn. But um, you are going to have some additional powers uh, that are going to be coming from the scimitar. Oh uh kids always be nice to your sentient uh spectral sword hot take um i think glenn feeling empowered like if glenn could give himself inspiration that's the equivalent like he just feels uh like he has a job to do that is like a a singular point of focus is help these three guys 
take care of wherever the fuck Jakar comes from. Um, and he kind of runs up towards the front of the cart or uh, body wagon. So that's all I can picture is like in the movies where there's just like a cart that you throw the bodies onto. That's literally all I can picture. Yep. Like a cart for bodies. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's a very, run up very to bubonic plague. <laughs> Black. Yeah. Uh, say to Cosmo, say, you know, I've never uh, really been able to do much while I'm protecting something. And I'm not sure I'm really the person that should be protecting something this important. So uh, what do you think we should do with Bryn's stone? I don't even know if he's still in there. I don't, if I remember correctly, it dimmed when it came out of him, right? Like, yeah, okay. Yeah, Um, there was a a noticeable light in there. Yeah, I don't even know if he's still in there, but I mean, if there's, uh, there was shards of Loth, maybe there'll be shards of Bryn, I'm not sure, but uh, between the three of us, I'm not the protector. That's kind of obvious. So, can I yeah. give this to you? I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll definitely carry it. And uh, if there's one thing I think I've learned over these last uh, time with you fellas, it's uh, you, things are not always as they seem. So, uh, who knows? There might just be a piece of him yet left in this, uh, this, this shard. So, uh, hell, if we find a piece of him somewhere else, maybe we could try and put him back in here. But, uh, yeah. It's not about the stone. It's not, it's, it's not about that stone. Uh, I like, right. I think they're like walking next to the cart at this point, right? I mean, I yeah. was riding on it, so I would assume he's just. Yeah, oh, you, you were so you, you were sitting just like, just like yeah. right behind me. Yeah, I think Glenn could probably walk as fast as these donkeys. Ringroom just like holds his one. <laughs> not Ringroom holds his hand out with like a big ass gaping wound on it. It's not about the stone. I, I could, I could, I could heal this like in a second, right? Cosmo, show me your hand. He shows him. Still a big ass cut on it. Still a big ass cut on it. You could have healed that. You could have healed that hours ago, but you didn't. It's not about the stone, mate. Well, what is it then? It's about killing this fucking dick. <laughs> what made our friend do this? We just made a blood debt over 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 a fallen ally's grave. Well, I still well, it feels more it. inspired. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not about the stone. It's not about the gold. We we made a pact. We're gonna kill this dick. Oh well, of course they. But there's, I'd still love to dig up that uh, Warforged body of Brins and bring him back. I'd undo all of it. Uh, yeah, I'd like to do a lot of shit different. 
Nevertheless, Glyn, I'll hold the stone. And I guess he puts it in his think... uh, bag of holding, his fanny pack of holding. Hell yeah. Uh, speaking of what you're not wearing, um, I think <laughs> Glenn's going to casually let the, the cart kind of roll past him, and he's going to just take up the the rear again until we start seeing something uh, forge-looking. Oh, hold on, he just had to go get it. Yeah, there it is. See, canonically, canonically, because you know nothing, nothing bad happened. We we put everything we wanted into that, and mm-hmm. at least not at least it never got stolen and dumped into the ocean. We've only had one death resulting from it. Just mine. Yeah, um, yeah. Canonically, <laughs> he, he hadn't back. put that on. If he hadn't put that on, canonically, he would have left it, forgotten it at the uh, at the crash site. <laughs> It it just drops like it just like, <laughs> he tries to put it on but it's just back at the crash just, site. It always falls like four feet from him, and no matter yep, what, it phases right through. <laughs> um, I, I, just because I I completely forgot about this item, but it would have been an item that Bryn had on him, and you guys would have definitely been able to recover. Uh, did you did you grab the uh, the coin the uh, the kind of uh, defaced coin uh, of the Goldbreak family? Um, would you have brought nope. that with you, or would you purposely left that in the hole too? That's on. That's on Glenn and Cosmo. Rangram ain't touching that thing. Yeah, Glenn did not uh, approach the body for a reason. I see. Glenn probably would have pilfered, but how don't, about don't you, go Cosmo? near the uh, the source of temptation. Uh, Cosmo would not have. Gra- Cosmo would not have grabbed it. Okay. Um, fair. Have you ever I robbed just... a body, Cosmo? <laughs> Of course um, he hasn't. That's an existential question for him. That's a, he's our good, good little cousin. He hasn't done some light grave not. robbing. Who hasn't done some light grave some robbing? Some light grave robbing. Um, okay, no worries. Uh, so the uh, I think that the coin uh, then canonically just still rests with with uh, Bryn's body in the uh, in the grave. So, um, so I think that. Uh, Glenn, you take up the uh, the kind of the rear um, behind the cart, um, and so I think that. Cosmo and Rangrim, you are the first ones to see this. As you uh, begin to kind of get towards the top of the Ebon Ridge uh, volcano, this has been quite a journey, and it's a relatively steep climb, but, you know, thanks to your sure-footed steeds, uh, you are able to make your way up there. Um, And as you kind of crest the edge of this, you see something that you have never actually seen in person before, though you've probably seen it kind of from a distance um, as you've kind of flown past the Ebon Ridge a couple times. As you look over the edge of this, kind of get onto the cinder cone of this volcano, um, you for one thing feel a just wave of heat that just kind of washes over you um, as the wind kind of blows this uh, this ash and smoke and uh, heat just like over you, I think, just immediately drying your eyes. Um, and I think, Glenn, as you kind of comes to stand next to them as they've stopped on this on this ridge, um, you look down and see a relatively incredible sight. In the center of this uh, this kind of like massive cone that is uh, that is going around the top part of this volcano, this massive like cylinder, um, you can see down into a just active magma pit that is probably 50 feet or so down kind of a slope. You can see that there's like a slope down into it and there is just like active magma 
and extending out from the edge, you can see there is a narrow walkway that goes, that seems like it's made out of some sort of black material, just similar, very similar to the ash itself that you are standing on now. And kind of in the center of this magma pool, you see a kind of large flat circle and a kind of dwarven temple-like doorway uh, that is just sitting steadfast in the center of this pool of magma. This cone, by the way, like Stargate doorway? Like it's just it's just the doorway. Like is there something on the other? No, 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 no. It seems like it's a it's a it's like a close. It's like a there's like a small temple structure that is kind of sitting on this round, uh, kind of. Oh, gotcha. I missed the temple structure part. I thought you were like just stargating us. I was like, this is sick. No, no. Like from above, you would be seeing like. By the way, this this cinder cone, this the top of this volcano is. I mean, it's. It's a quarter mile across. It's huge. It's massive, massive, massive. Oh, Jesus. Uh, but uh, in the center of this, if you're looking straight down on it, you would see like a single solitary line that is the pathway going into the center. And then dead center in the middle, there's a circular kind of platform that you can see there is a uh, like a raised temple that is uh, that is kind of like built into the center of this magma pool. What, <laughs> when Glenn sees this, he's going to uh, look down and uh, really take in the amount of heat that probably exists down there. He's going to look at the two dwarves, and he's going to go slowly reach for the reins of the donkeys from Rangrim. Go, well, this uh, kind of looks like a job for you two. Uh, the girl and I are going to stay up here till you let us know if it's safe for uh, or less heat-inclined individuals to head on down. So uh, good luck. And he kind of like pats Rangrim on the back. This is kind of kind of a dick movie. You just assume it's it's me. It's obviously this guy, and he's pointing at Cosmo. Oh, perfect! You both, yeah, great. All right, fair Cosmo, enough. Cosmo, you can go introduce yourself to the the Dawn Forge. I don't. Do you have to like say hi beforehand? What was it like with the Dusk Forge? You just kind of like turned it on. Was there like a courtship phase or? Well, the dust force was mostly an accident, but um, hopefully we have some good luck on this one. But uh, it right, seems I a mean, little a little warmer here this time around. Yeah, I am very into temples in volcanoes, as long as the location to the volcano is uh, not <laughs> at risk. Uh, the, the heat is potentially dangerous. Uh, can you like diffuse any of that? Or is uh, it uh, something we're just going to go stake out together? Because I can happily watch the girls up here while you guys walk down to that temple. Well, I mean, I'll do my best. But, um, well, we'll just have to wait and see what happens. And I guess I'm going in alone then, uh, I guess, am I? I don't say you were going in alone. I just, I just didn't say I was going in first. Oh, well, that's fine then. I was going to say, Rangrim is essentially nearly fireproof. He's fire resistant at the very least. That's yeah. why Glenn yeah. was sending him in first. Yeah. <laughs> it's also a giant, uh, what we think is going to be a forge in the middle of a volcano, which is like 
80% Rangrim. That's like most of your superpowers come from forges and volcanoes. <laughs> right, right. Well, uh, I feel like Rangrim would be like frolicking towards this thing, like it's Disneyland. <laughs> I, I don't know, frolicking. He's probably like hanging out there and like everybody else is sweating. He's like, what's your problem? Yeah. Like, it's not that he bad. He puts on a jacket. <laughs> It's kind of chilly. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. So, what what is this? Who's approaching, and what does this approach look like? Um, it's, I mean, it's it's not an insignificant walk, but it's also not like it's it's going to take. It'll probably take a a good twenty minutes or so to get down there and get over based on what you're what you're looking at. We know we know that your powers lit up the first one, boy, but. We'll see. Uh, Cosmo. I can, I can lead the way a bit. If this one doesn't suck that much for me. I mean, I'm fine, whatever. I mean, if you're a little worried about it, I'm just as fine leading the way. Cosmo looks down at his belt, and uh, I we never really RP'd this, so I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. I just assume there's this little dial on it, and he just turns it from uh, over to the red emblem. And, broil. He turned it to broil. <laughs> and uh, as he as he sets his uh what was this thing called? Belt uh, of four I elements. You bought that belt. Uh he sets his belt of four elements. Oh my uh, god, to fire. yes. I will say, I will say this. I specifically put two items that were fire resistant in the shop. Oh, yeah. Just just in case you guys wanted to buy them before this encounter. So there, you did have the opportunity, but I also understand that they are not the sexiest of items in there. I was I definitely awesome. recognized. I definitely recognized the uh, foreshadowing, and Glenn does not give a fuck. That's fair. <laughs> you, so <laughs> you, you should have bought the fire tunic. The you should have brought your red tunic. You only yes. brought the blue and the green tunic. And you the, brought the, red uh, the fire boots as well. Exactly. Yeah. Boots. Yes. For sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, so uh, so Cosmo turns his belt to uh, to to anti flame broil um, has the has the whopper symbol on there as he uh, as he kind of turns that on, um, and uh, I think that you guys see a um, like I think that when you do that you see like a heat haze that kind of appears around Cosmo as you're looking at him. It's like there's like this heat shield, almost like you're seeing a mirage. Like he's slightly uh, like kind of wavering as uh, as you're looking at him as he's uh, as he now like is. Uh, resistant to fire. That would is it? Do I do I look like that like all the time? Well, I mean, no, you this is uh, like pretty you new. <laughs> no, I yeah, mean, well, just, uh, I, can, I can do that kind of without that. a without a belt. Like Raymond's kind of like puffing his chest out. Like, oh, come on, we're walking into this volcano. <laughs> <All right. laughs> okay. Um. Okay, so uh, Glenn, uh, you uh, you take up kind of a sentry position, uh, patting the um, patting the, the the donkeys as uh, your two. Yeah, I think Glenn like in. sits and hangs his feet down like the cinder cone. Like I think he's like kind of like casually waiting on the edge of this thing just to see if they're like you will burn alive. Yeah, I mean your eyes are definitely drying out a little bit, but it's uh you know as as you're kind of at a distance, you're just it's just kind of a hot wind more than it is actually uh, any kind of damaging uh, effects from the fire. Um, and yeah, so as you uh, as you guys kind of as you guys kind of like skitter down this uh, this kind of like 
it's volcanic like rock essentially. And so you're kind of like slide half sliding, half uh, walking and half sometimes running as you kind of uh, lose your footing uh, down this cinder cone. Um, you make your way to uh, the beginning of this pathway after kind of like traversing around the outside because obviously you weren't directly lined up with it. Um, but you can see that this is, you recognize, you both of you recognize the craftsmanship immediately. Like this is incredible dwarven craftsmanship, like of, the highest quality like this has not been degraded by the magma that is on all sides of it and you can tell that this is like fully carved from obsidian rock like it is it is it looks like just like shiny glass and it like reflecting the kind of like the red of the magma like this thing is absolutely gorgeous i mean you can tell like it's really only about like five feet wide on either side like this thing is this thing is it's just a long narrow pathway that's running out in here with kind of these pedestals but it looks very very sturdy um as you're kind of uh as you're looking out towards it before they start their next or make their next decision glenn is keeping an eye on his wrist where the necro cane beacon is just like mm -hmm. if that twitches he yep. is looking so we got like to a flat platform Essentially, you are, can I play the, the Bolero, Bolero fly, of Fire on my ocarina? Uh, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Um, you you play the Bolero of Fire. Um, you you can you can see uh, you, you hear a really cool tune and it does nothing. You hear the best uh -huh. tune in Zelda Ocarina of Time, but it does nothing. But it, it sounded one, really it? cool. It's the best one, absolutely. It's the best temple by far, anyway. Uh, yeah, you see, uh, you yeah, you yeah. see Volvagia, I think is the name of that. <laughs> That, that boss Volvagia, kind of, yes Volvagia that jumps out of the out, out of the lava I'm just kidding that's not canonical um you're this is not this is not this is not a Zelda temple guys I cannot stress enough <laughs> this is not a Zelda temple Nintendo stop listening um so uh you uh no yeah so you are at the beginning of the essentially long dwarven pathway that is leading out into so you are standing at the edge of this magma lake this magma pool that is extending for half a mile in either direction and you you're standing in front of this narrow pathway that is leading you out to the essentially what you expect to be the dawn forge in the center well who's going uh, first i mean cosmo looks out over the edge or kind of i guess i'll go first in is that where we at well, uh, I'm not going to make you go first, young dwarf. And he's going to just walk heel and toe with Cosmo going forward. All right. Okay. So we, go to, we go together then. Okay. Um, you All guys. Uh, they, hear, they hear, hey, guys, how's it going? Is it hot down there? Ignore him. <laughs> you guys. Obviously, it's fucking hot down here. Ignore him. <laughs> He, guys clearly is this it is this guys is that hot down there uh, i'm sorry you're breaking up ah okay um as you all are making your way out further you are both definitely helped by the fact that you are both resistant to fire however it is still incredibly hot and you can only guess that as you know that the pilgrimage from the dawn to the dusk forge and vice versa is part of a essentially a trial for master dwarven craftsmen you only can only expect that this is part of the test um and i need for you both to roll me uh some con saving throws 
Uh, uh, with advantage, of course, because you have resistance. And you get plus four to your saves, Mr. Uh, Rain Grim. Oh, cool. Uh, con saving throw. Good thing we got that advantage. That was a nat one, baby. Oh, no. That's a whole lot better. That's an 18. Okay. 27. Okay. Both of you are able to uh, fend off this this heat. I mean, sweating profusely, I, I think, at this point. But uh, you are able to kind of fend it off where you are not taking any significant harm. Um, I think that at this point, though, you are starting to, like, feel any of the uh, fabric that is, like, around your ankle area and, like, on your arm. Like, any, any of the, anything like that, like, shoelaces, whatever the case may be, is just, like burning off like things are starting to like smoke in your armor is starting to like superheat and i think with that like maybe you guys make kind of start with a little bit more of a run as opposed to a walk potentially or do you continue at your slow pace and kind of like go through this trial um and taking it all in what's your i don't want to make a decision for uh, you oh uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, cosmo do you smell that I mean, is that just your nose and he smells it? Oh no, that that that's us, mate. Where, are we cooking? Yeah, a little, little bit. We might want to pick it up a bit. Yeah, I don't I don't want to be a cooked wolf. Nope, uh, it tastes horrible. Don't ask me how I know. Not asking any questions as he breaks into a breaks into a run. Okay. Um, I think uh, uh, I'll have you guys uh, roll me uh, one more uh, Constitution save throw with advantage. Uh, constitution saving throw with advantage. Oh yeah, all of it. Uh, Seventeen yep. plus a bunch. Uh, Twenty six. <laughs> uh, Twenty one. Okay. Both of you are, uh, I think that just dwarven resilience combined with the uh, with the kind of like flame resistance. I think that like, Glenn, I think from above you see this pretty hilarious sight as the two of them are kind of walking kind of like proudly on this uh, this little narrow pathway. And then you see them just kind of like, you see just wisps of smoke start coming off of them, and then you see them just break into a run towards the towards the uh, the thicker part of the platform. Um, and I think that the the two of you are able to um, like I mean fully smoking at this point as like uh, you are essentially being kind of beginnings of being cooked inside of your own armor. Um, you uh, you are able to make it uh, over across this this like narrow pathway onto the part where it starts to like widen. And I think that as you get there, you realize just how big this is. It dwarfs the the platform that the Dawn Forge was, that the, the Dusk Forge was on. Um, and it is, it is twice the size. It is a hundred feet across easily. And it is just a massive circular area that is just full of runes completely to the edge. And you see in the center, you see this massive anvil the only difference is, well, there's there's a couple differences here, but the anvil here is has a crack and is split directly in half. Um, and it is just laying there, not lit up at all. This is everything here is black and is not uh, illuminated by any means. Um, and at the far side of this uh, kind of circular platform, uh, you can see that there is a 
a pretty a pretty kind of humbly sized. Um, it's not it's not a, like a massive temple by any means, um, but I'll say it's probably a good like ten foot by ten foot structure that is just this like monolith of dwarven construction made out of uh, the same kind of obsidian, and it's a very like it is like a big kind of like slightly think. Um, Think like sandcastle kind of style, so it's slightly uh, sloped, but it's like, um, but it's just like you can see it's just made out of like clean obsidian blocks. Like this is a this is a beautiful structure and looks like completely intact. The like the anvil is really the only thing here that does not seem to be like it is the only thing here that is damaged. Everything else seems like it is has stood the test of time. Um, so across the way, you can see on the front of this uh, this this temple, you can see that there is a door, um, and that door is uh, is is made out of the same kind of black material, and you can see that it is also covered in runes. Um, you're standing at the on the opposite side of that, uh, across this uh, this platform with the anvil in between you and the temple. Um, what would you guys like to do? Um. So how? So I we we can see that anvil. It's 50 feet in front of you, and then 50 feet from that is the uh, temple on the other side of the platform. Uh, Rangrim's just going to go directly to towards the anvil, like in a big sigh of relief, just slapping his hand on it and just then taking a knee in a deep breath. Okay. Rangrim, you... Uh you put your hand on this item and um i need you to roll me a uh not a constitution saving throw here uh i believe this is going to be uh it'll be a, it'll be a constitution saving throw uh but it's gonna be straight up and down quick question how far are they from me this is about a 20 minute walk down and then how far like out um, I, I'm going to say that there are a, uh, I think that like a probably a quarter, like a, well, it's a quarter of a mile across. I'll say it's like an eighth of a mile, something like that. A little bit more than that because they're down and, uh, in the center of the water or at the center of the lava, you know, the hot water. Okay. Is it, um, it was switchbacks all the way down. Right. And then like, it's, a, they just scrambled. It's a, it's just a, it's just oh, like, got it. it it's, it's just better. loose. Okay. Okay. Great. Um. Yeah. Proceed. Just need to know how far. Oh, that's a seventeen. Uh, Rangrim, you take. Oof. Thirty-six points a of bunch healing. Of healing. A magic item. A bunch. So much healing. Yeah. You gain um, friendship. Yeah. You uh. You take uh thirty-two points of necrotic damage Friendship. and are yeah. blasted backwards by five feet um with your hand uh kind of like swirling with this black kind of mist. Um and it leaves you in a for a second, but like your hand feels like raw to the touch, as if you have just touched something like before you were resistant to fire, it's like you just stuck your hand onto a stove and you sense, like, you can tell immediately that this is not just, like, superheated. Um, and now that you look a little bit closer and aren't just, like, rushing over, you can see wisps of black energy that are just, like, emanating off of this uh, this broken anvil. Mm -hmm. that's, uh, that's awful. Um, 
Not to be that guy, I am going to say I do have resistance to necrotic damage. Okay, so you just take half that. Let's so go. So I'm going to take 16 damage. Let's go. Because uh, of the armor you gave me. Thank you very much, Sean. Yes. You're welcome. Just screw myself over again. <laughs> um, uh, specifically, the armor I made at the Dusk Forge. So that's fair. That's uh, fair. Um, none of those things are glowing, by the way, right now. They are all all their uh, all their dust. Uh, all of that still sucks, balls. Uh, <laughs> Cosmo will obviously seeing you know Rangram run out, do this. He's gonna run up. He's gonna maybe pick up Rangram. You, are you all right? What happened? <laughs> um. Uh, this this place is not as cool as as the other one was. <laughs> He's gonna like shuffle himself to his feet. Uh, oh, we all right. Gotta, we gotta keep our wits about us, boy. Is it um? What happened? Did you? Did it just burn? Is it really hot? Uh, I touched it and, it and it and it hurt. It you touched it and it hurt. Is it just you really did an ouchie? Does it just feel like it's really hot, or does it feel like something's wrong with it? It's it's broken, yeah. Uh some something's wrong with it. Trust me, touch it. Oh, do I, I don't want to touch it. Yeah, don't do that. Um. Uh, well, I mean, I touched the last one and it got better. Um. I mean. I mean, I'm not your father, so like, I mean, if you want to touch it. Well, uh, Cosmo like stepping up to it. He kind of like looks at it. Does he see? So he saw like this. Like, sorry, describe to me again what I what. It's it's essentially like a kind of like you see these like black emanating like wisps that are kind of coming off of this black anvil. Like everything here is black, so it's it's difficult to see. And you're in like it's red is your only other color, so right, it's difficult yeah. to tell. But like it, now that you're looking closer at this thing, you can see these like slight wisps of black energy that are. Um... Uh, all right, <laughs> um, I'm gonna. I don't think this will do anything. <laughs> I don't think it'll do anything. <laughs> but uh, we cast Define Sense to detect good and evil. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you this: uh, everything that you're standing on, everything that is that is uh, like the the entire area that you can that you are standing on, everything, including the temple, is all uh, touched by evil. Or uh, everything is touched by evil. Okay. Neat. Oh. I don't, I think. Hey guys, is it hot down there? Yes, it's really hot. Now, just, okay, just we're doing fine. Okay. Good luck. I miss you. You can tell that, I mean, there is some, evil. there is evil magic that in this whole area is, is some sort of curse or uh, unholy effect is on this entire place. Um, and I will say this, uh, Cosmo, as you're moving around, I think you'll, you would have noticed this. Um, previously, when you walked around on, you know, the surface of the Dusk Forge, you almost saw like ripples of magic as you kind of, as you walked, you emanated and like illuminated these runes that are embedded into the surface of this platform, uh, the, the platform that's at the, at the Dawn Forge, uh, the Dusk Forge. I will never get those proper. I will never get those correct. Um, I, again, your fault. I've, I've played myself, uh, but as, uh, as you're walking, as you're walking around on this, like you see just the faintest, it like illuminate. And then like, you almost see like, just like it lights up just like barely. And then it just like blackness fills it in. 
within like a second. Like it is, there is an active effect here that is like unwilling to allow uh, any light in this space. Rangrim, can can you um, can you detect where it's coming from? There's there's something. It's got a source here, and I just need to find it. I mean, I can certainly try. You just got to give me a, a, a minute to scroll through my spell list. Uh, I mean, uh, Cosmo would maybe investigate to see if there was... I mean, obviously, the anvil's broken. Is there mm-hmm. anything else around that seems out of place? I don't know if you're um, Out of place, no. And when I say the anvil's broken, it's cracked right in half like it's just right. like it's fallen it's like you know the two sides that would be kind of in a traditional anvil they have just fallen to the side and so it's making like a v um no i mean uh, from where you were standing uh there is kind of like a effect going on here where have you ever seen that paint that's like ultra black it's like flat where you cannot see depth in it that's kind of what's happening here and nothing on this is like you you can see like slight variations where the runes are but it's not it's very difficult to see like any kind Delta of like black? detail yeah it's like it's like yeah the the mega black and so um <laughs> I, I i think that the only thing that you can see is across the way you can see that door um and and that door is again made out of that same kind of material um but it is uh i think that that's i, I think that's the only other point of interest on this uh on this space uh, well scroll uh, but to that point i would uh ring room would cast detect magic i was i was looking it up because i can't upcast it so it's still just a first level spell okay um so I, I will give you this. You uh, you cast uh, detect magic, and I think that this entire area illuminates. But I think that you get a the sense that you get from the most powerful area of it is below you, and it is below like not the ground. It is below that. It is like deep uh deep below you somewhere um i i think that you probably potentially even lose it in the range but that's where you get an idea that like the 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 location the the cause of this is subterranean uh likely inside the forge itself what do you tell me Rangrim? i'd relay that directly to, Co- to cosmo well it looks like it's a bit low in us and then Rangram's going to immediately try to break a hole in the floor. Sounds like a bad idea, but sure. Um, you're using your uh, hammer. Dan knows that's a bad idea. Rangram doesn't know that. Uh, yeah, so I, I, you're, are you using your hammer of uh, meteor eruptions? Yep. Okay. Um, you, uh, you. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think I need to, ha- it's the ground, so I don't think you need to have you make an attack on it. Um, but I, I say you you pick up your hammer, this, uh, this incredible, you know, item that you've created, and you smash the ground with it. And I think that, I think that it just doesn't, doesn't do anything. I think you hit it and it just like, it does a ringing boing yeah i was gonna say it like just kind of bounces back at you and like i think glenn you hear like a ringing of like uh kind of like high pitch like ping of glass and um i think that that is that noise kind of echoes around this uh this cinder cone and i don't think that anything actually happens like you you don't see a crack you don't see anything in the ground itself um 
And you don't know whether it's the incredible dwarven craftsmanship or the fact that this thing is imbued with unholy magics. Um, but it is it is going to take more than uh, your hammer to, to, to Minecraft. Takes his this, hammer and tosses thing. it back on his shoulder and a scratch in his head looks at Cosmo and is like, whoa, I'm out of ideas. All right, well, does I'm anyone not... have a diamond pickaxe? Mole out, Rangrim. Maybe use your head before you use your hammer, eh? Sometimes. What? What do you mean? And Rangrim's gonna headbutt the floor. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Rangrim, stop it! I'm sorry. I tell you, I tell you too. Literally, young dwarf. Just one damage. One damage. <laughs> All right. Well, I got two no, eyes. Just like there's a little trail of blood, just like you, like leaking down his nose at this point. I got. It <laughs> looks good. I got. I got two thoughts here. First off, one. I'm gonna try. Uh, well, I'm gonna try something. Cosmo's gonna uh, step towards the anvil, the cracked anvil. Um, shit. I have a feeling this isn't gonna work, but we try. Um, Cosmo is going to cast uh, Remove Curse on the anvil. Okay. Okay, what is... Um, I'm, let me... Uh, it let is me a touch read. spell, so I do have to touch the anvil. Okay. Uh, um, do you have its consent? Just kidding. Excuse uh, me, Mr. Me. Anvil. Can I touch you? <laughs> um, yes. A man jumps out of uh, behind yes. the anvil and goes... <laughs> Yes, I'm Mr. Anvil. You can touch me anywhere. I'm kidding. Um, you uh, roll, read me, uh, read me, remove uh, curse. Uh, all right. Me, what is that? What does that it entail? It says at your at your touch, all curses affecting one creature or object end. If the object is a cursed magic item, its curse remains, but the spell breaks its owner's attunement to the object, so it can't be removed or discarded. But the spell breaks its owner's attunement. Attunement to the object. I think that's for like a, a item, like a cursed yeah. item itself. Yeah. So I'm, I'm sorry. So the beginning of that, there's a, is there a save for it? Nope, it just does. It, it either does or doesn't. Does or doesn't. Yeah. Okay. It just says um, at your touch. Yep. What level spell is this? A third level. Okay. I mean, I only have level four, so I'm not Rangrim. I don't have level six. <laughs> okay. Um, level seven. I'm, I'm going to shut I'm gonna up, give you, shut up. I'm going to give you a chance here. I'm going to give you a chance here. Um I uh I'm going to give you uh poof. I'm gonna, I'm going to do a percentage and I'm going to say that anything above 50% uh it will work. Uh anything below that it will not. All right. That is a 12. Right, well. Cosmo, you uh you you touch Mr. Anvil and uh Mr. Anvil uh <laughs> Um, I think that uh, I'm going to give you advantage on the constitution saving throw. Um, the reason for that will become clear in a second, uh, but roll me that constitution saving throw with advantage. All right. Nice. Even, oh wait, no, not nicer. Uh, that's a 21. Uh, okay. Yeah, uh, you are uh, you are able to resist this necrotic energy. Is you you touch the anvil, and for a second you see it glow with like this. Um, with uh, so I, I think before every single time that you have you know obviously you know the dusk forge's magic is a is a, is like a violet purple. You touch this, 
and it glows with this kind of like yellowish green light. And just for a second, you you put your hand on it and it like kind of starts to illuminate. And then you see just the blackness, like just envelop it again and just kind of come out towards your hand. And you're able to pull your hand away before uh, you take any damage from it. But uh, you can tell that they're like, whatever you tried to do, whatever this break, you know, whatever this curse is, is incredibly powerful. And uh, Cosmo just very quickly pulls his hand out of there and he just looks at Rangrim and he's like, well, that was my first idea. That one struck out. So uh, second idea is we go over to that door over there. So you can come with me or stay right here and keep running your head into the ground. So uh, uh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not standing here. Well, come on. All right. We're going, we make our way across uh, towards the door. Okay. Uh, the door in front of you is, uh, I think it's a solid, um, like, you know, 10 feet, uh, like, you know, or a solid eight feet tall. Like it's, it's a very large door. It's, uh, it's unnecessarily large for dwarves. Um, but it's, it's very designed in a very grandiose fashion with runes that are just, uh, like, as you like kind of difficult to, to make out in this, uh, you know, carved completely out of this black obsidian. Um, but you can see that essentially like this door is, fitted incredibly well into this wall um and uh you can you can see in a very similar fashion the uh symbol of Moradin, just barely recognizable kind of like at dwarf head height in the center of this uh in the center of where these two doors meet i think uh, well, before before you do you think yeah ringroom's gonna take his 10 dark steel pitons and just throw them behind him on the ground you you fine do you think all right um do i sense the black emanating darkness on the door um roll me a uh well roll me a either a religion check or an arcana check whichever you'd like i don't know i have a feeling they're both plus zeros arcana is a zero religion is a zero I don't think that's an eight. So I have a feeling we got nothing. I will say this: uh, you um, you don't you don't seem to sense um, you, like I think that uh, because of the way that the anvil was like because it was a flat surface, I think that you were able to see like kind of the wisps coming off of it. Um, this is all black on black, making it much harder to discern if there is anything that is uh, you know whether or not it is enchanted with the same uh, power or not. Um, I mean. It's it's all the same color and it's uh, kind of monochromatic. So, um, all right. Oh, would uh, you like to? Oh, well, here goes nothing. And uh, seeing the the symbol of Morden on the door the door there, he's just gonna go right for that. He's gonna put his hand on the symbol. Cosmo, you reach your hand out and willing the powers from within you to, in the same way you did before, kind of, I think having more control now too. Um, you, you are more, much more in tune with, with these kind of like latent abilities that you possess. Uh, their true, you know, kind of uh, nature is still essentially a mystery to you, but you know how to harness them and pull them to your, uh, you know, at your beck and call a lot easier than you did before. And I think that, uh, Rangrim, you look on and you see uh, Cosmo's hand begin to glow as he's reaching towards this door. And for a second, you see the door, like, 
illuminate, like the symbol of Morden, like illuminates in that greenish yellow light. Um, and then you see like it kind of go out for a second as if it's spreading out to the door. And I think you both feel confident for a second that this is going to work. And then you see it revert fast. And Rangrim, you watch, and Cosmo, you watch as in, as for, in horror for a second, Cosmo, you get to watch it. But Rangrim, you see it happen completely. You see the blackness in this door envelop Cosmo's arm and person completely. And Cosmo, you have the single horrible feeling that you've only ever had once before, a feeling that you are dying. And Cosmo, as power word kill rushes through your body, you, Rangram, see the blackness kind of leave him, absorb uh, back into the door as the door itself swings wide open as Cosmo falls dead backwards, counterspell, smacking counterspell, his head. Counterspell, I don't have counterspell, but counterspell. <laughs> onto uh, onto the, uh, the hard obsidian floor. And Cosmo, you, it is black for if you you don't know whether it's been a second or it's been an eternity but you open your eyes in a place that is just kind of familiar but in a way that like you've only been there be once before but you feel like you've been there a hundred hundred infinite times and you look up into the face of the the spectral face of well there's no face there's just this spectral outline of this tiny stout figure that looks like they have just galaxies spiraling inside of them and you hear the voice of the archivist say to you well you're not supposed to be here yet and that is where we're going to leave the session tonight oh you're such a dick <laughs> oh come on that was a good one that was a good one for sure oh, oh. shit you guys uh, oh, hot down there or Thank you for listening to the Almost Heroes and their mostly 5th edition D&D adventures. We post new podcast episodes every Monday, and you can catch us live on Twitch every Tuesday at 7 p.m. PST at twitch.tv slash bangerangbobby. See you there.